Hey there. Welcome to episode two of Brownscast, the official podcast of the Cleveland Browns. I'm Max Linsky. So one of the things I'm learning spending all this time with the Browns is how insanely hard it is to earn a place in the NFL. And not just for the players, the coaches, the front office, everybody in this building overcame some seriously long odds to get here. One of the people I've gotten to know, this guy Andy Esworthy, he's an intern this season in the communications department. Before he landed this job with the Browns, Andy spent two years sending portfolios to every team in the NFL. Two years! And all he heard was no. And still he kept sending out those portfolios month after month until he finally heard yes. There are thousands of people who want Andy's job. And he had to out-hustle all of them to get here. But nobody in the Cleveland Browns organization has faced longer odds of getting hired than wide receiver Andrew Hawkins. Coming out of the University of Toledo, Andrew wasn't on the NFL's radar at all. He wasn't even on the Arena League radar. Even though he had world-class speed, Andrew just didn't have the size. He was 5'6 and 160 pounds. Not even his college coach thought he had a chance to make the pros. But Andrew believed otherwise. And as we're going to hear today, right after that last college game, Andrew made a pledge. He was going to do everything in his power to make the NFL. Even if it meant sleeping on a friend's couch and caddying at the local golf course instead of taking a full-time job, he went on a reality show, anything he could do to get a chance to prove how good he could be. He was even willing to create a fake identity. I wasn't much of a prospect. That Actually, I wasn't a prospect at all, so, <laughs> you know, I didn't have that. So what I had to do was, you know, I wrote a, you know, an email portraying a, a grad assistant at Toledo t- raving about this you know, short kid who had lightning speed and quickness and <laughs> all he needed was an opportunity. You created and a fake email. I created a fake email. I did. And every time a door would crack open, almost immediately, it would close even tighter. You don't know how good you are. I mean, I feel like I was good and I feel like I was at that level. But when you hear no, 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 all you have is your own opinion and what everybody else is, which is the no's are outweighing <laughs> the yeses right. by, by a landslide. But he stuck with it. And after years of hard work and missed opportunities and broken ankles, after all those no's, Hawkins finally heard yes in Cleveland. You know, the Browns came calling, and like I said, I just felt like it was the the perfect ending to the storm. Meant to be. Meant to be, man. Meant to be. But we started by talking about Andrew Hawkins off the field, uh, specifically his Instagram, which is amazing, and includes a ton of really cute photos of his two-year-old son, Austin. Welcome, Andrew Hawkins. How you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Really excited to talk to you. you oh yeah, to, yeah. You got a, you have a, a an incredible story, my friend. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, now, I appreciate I, it. I, and for anyone who doesn't know it, they're gonna know it after this. So there I'm, I'm go. gonna ask you all about it. But before <laughs> we start with that, I have uh, something else to ask you about. Okay. Your uh, your your dad selfie game is very strong. Yes. It's very strong. Yeah. Before. I uh, spent some time with your Instagram. I uh-huh. thought that uh, my dad selfie game was strong, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, I got, I got, oh, I got so many in a vault too, man. <laughs> really? Got, oh man, <laughs> I haven't even pulled the big guns out yet. The the best is yet to come. I got selfies with me, my son, and elephants, and <laughs> all kind of stuff, man. <laughs> well, he's uh, he's pretty cute. Austin's pretty cute, man. I appreciate it, man. That's my best friend. It seems that way. Yeah, it, dude. That's, it, that's that's my role my role partner. And now you have two baby girls too. Two baby girls, yeah. four months old. It's been eventful, man, but it's so much fun. We're having a good time with it. What, what was your reaction when you found out you were having twins? I fell out. I fell. Yeah, I fell out. I thought <laughs> first I thought she was like joking with me, and then once I realized it wasn't a joke, I literally fell out and laid there for about five minutes. I think <laughs> she may have the video. She thought it was pretty funny. 
you wrote this piece on the Players Tribune, mm-hmm. uh, which if if anyone listening hasn't read it, I really recommend it. It's, it's, uh, it was a great article. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Did you work hard on it? I did. It I seemed did. that way. I mean, the Players Tribune, honestly, it's, it's an awesome platform for athletes to be able to kind of tell their own story, however they, whatever they want to do. And, and I, it was a long, hard road, and I know so many people that you know go through that same thing. So I, I just always wanted to get it out there to try to help encourage somebody, inspire somebody. So the people of the Players Tribune have editors that help that help out. And like I said, we are very particular, very detailed, you know, meticulous of what we were doing. And it took forever to get the final product, but I wanted to make sure everything was conveyed exactly the the way it happened and put together the right way. And you know, it, it came out awesome. It did come out awesome. I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna read the lead, the beginning of it. Okay. I cry before every game. It's so bad sometimes. I need smelling salts and a towel just to regroup and go out and play. I get that emotional. My teammates are always clowning. You know, Hawk always Hawk's always crying. But if God brought you through what I'd been through, you'd get emotional too. My whole journey replays in my mind every time I put those pads on. I don't take one second for granted. I didn't just work hard. I had to work the system. I had to scheme a little. I had to overcome. I slept on people's couches, called in favors. And yeah, I got lucky a few times too. But I did what I had to do to achieve my dream. (laughs) It's amazing, man. (laughs) It's special. Let's start at the beginning. You Mm -hmm. graduated or you played your last game for Toledo Mm -hmm. 2007. Yes. You're not a tall man. No, for an I, NFL player, I've never been described as a tall man. <laughs> you're not, a, you're for, not a, by any stretch <laughs> for, for any profession, <laughs> but yeah, especially not an NFL player. You'd be tall for like a broadcaster. Those yeah, guys are there you go. You play your last game, and you decide to yourself, even though you're not being scouted, mm-hmm. even though your coaches aren't putting you forward as someone who should maybe get picked up in the supplemental draft or or, or signed after the draft, mm-hmm. you decide that you're going to make the NFL. What's your next step? Well, after I made the decision, man, I, f- I had to get an agent. You know, I mean, just like I said, the whole, even the decision in itself, I, I was I was literally 50-50 on it. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I feel like I'm a man of, uh, you know, many talents. I could, you know, I had a lot of aspirations. I want to be a GM one day, you know, so I thought maybe I could just, you know, start going that way. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really was, I felt confident about my abilities. And even though other people weren't, you know, echoing you know, the same opinion, I just felt like I could do it. Did I, anyone else think you could do it? You know what? My mom and dad, who always, you know, but they're my parents. I could have told them I wanted to, you know, fly, you know, with my arms to, to Mars, and they would have said, you know what? I think you can do it. <laughs> you know, like in my, my immediate family, some, you know, brothers, that that was pretty much it, man. Honestly, I mean, it was, I can count on one hand, and you know, and I probably won't need all five fingers, <laughs> but it was it was that far fetched. And did it seem crazy to you at the time? Like when you decided to do it, did it feel nuts to you? I don't think it got crazy until I really got into the the, the thick of the length I was willing to go. Because people make people make those decisions every day, and then the next day it's eh, right. It was a valiant shot last night. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, as time went on, and I was you know, I started passing up on great opportunities. Yeah. To keep chasing. That's when it probably got a little crazy. Well, let's talk about some of those steps yeah. before those opportunities came. Okay. This is some straight hijinks you pulled. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just uh I'll just listen. You can you can uh, confirm or deny. Okay. One thing you did was uh you needed an agent. Mhm. And uh the way that normally happens is that college coaches will reach out to agents. Yeah. In, in, they'll, uh, they'll hear from NFL scouts or read about players and they go chase after the guys that, you know, I mean, it's, 
it's business still. They want to chase the guy that's most surefire to get him some money. So right. they're going to recruit guys that they think have an opportunity to play in the NFL. And I didn't have that because, like I said, I wasn't much of a prospect. That Actually, I wasn't a prospect at all. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't have that. So what I had to do was, you know, I wrote a, an email portraying a, a grad assistant at Toledo t- raving about this you know, short kid who had lightning speed and quickness and <laughs> all he needed was an opportunity. You created a fake email. I created a fake email. I did. Not <laughs> something I'm proud of, but at the time I was desperate. This is what I needed to do. You know what I yeah. mean? I, I wanted to make sure I gave myself every opportunity to make it happen. I'm a big picture guy, so I kind of looked at it and I'm like, I can't, I can't call these NFL teams myself. I need someone on my behalf who is doing it, you know, and it make me it would make me look more legit and I won't look just like any Joe Schmo that everyone who thinks I can step out the couch and go play in the NFL. Were you like telling your friends you were doing this? No. No, I didn't tell anybody this. My agent who I, I'm still with to this day, he bit on the fake email and he hit me up and he's like, Yeah, you know, and, and he was just starting out so he's and my agent he's an incredible dude, man. He's the kind of guy that he's not in it for to make a me, you know, he has a good job. He loves to help people out, so what what better case <laughs> than the charity case I was at the time, you know? So he bid on it, and he, like I said, he went he went to work, and he hasn't stopped since, man. So you were five six, one sixty. Mm-hmm. You, you you wrangled yourself an agent. Yep. And uh, and then you had to find a way to somehow get in front of some scouts. Yeah. And the only option was the the pro day at Toledo. Yeah. So yeah, I tried. I actually I tried to get into every pro day possible. Yeah. At the University of Pittsburgh, because I'm from Pennsylvania area, so. Me living close there, I was allowed to go. So I got there, um, and they were supposed to let me work out. And then when I got there, they wouldn't let me work out. And there was all 32 teams there. And I was like, dang, that was, you know, I felt like that was such an incredible opportunity because at my party, we had probably 13 teams, which is still good for a smaller school. But, you know, uh, every chance that I could get in front of them, I wanted to, you know, so. Well, that, that's interesting. I didn't know that thing about the, about the Pennsylvania workout. Mm-hmm. So when they say no, they say, no, you can't try out. Yeah. What's your reaction like when you're driving home? Yeah. After that, do you let yourself think, all right, maybe this just isn't meant to be? Yeah. I mean, there were times. There were times. You know, I think in my lifetime, me chasing this dream, and like I said, I'm I'm one literally of a million. You know, not even if and at five six, I'm I'm probably one in twenty million. Yeah, I think the odds are. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, one in a million. So when you when you come from that, I'm almost conditioned to hear no first. I'm more surprised when someone actually gives me an opportunity without me having to circumvent whatever process is in place or having to come up with a scheme to make them give me a legitimate opportunity or so I, I almost plan for the no first mm-hmm. and then the I'm already a step ahead of them when you go that way so <laughs> right. honestly when I'm hearing like I'm here it's if I had a nickel for every time I heard no I wouldn't need to play in the NFL <laughs> you know so I, I was yeah I was I, I drove there thinking you know I was told that I'd be able to come to the pro day and work out and I got there and they said no and like I said I was disappointed but at the same time you know I started walking around and shaking hands yeah mm-hmm. I remember when we walked up to Mike Tomlin introduced myself and I had no time to feel sorry for myself man because you know it was it was go time that's amazing see I, I think I would I just turn around <laughs> I'd be done <laughs> so you do work out at Toledo mm-hmm. you were uh five six and a half 160 and you went to Mitchell's Michaels. Michaels, right. Michaels, Michaels yeah. Arts and Craft Store. Yeah. And uh, got some clay. Yeah. So on my pro day, so in the meantime, I was working out and I, I was like, you know, besides doing school and I was actually doing an internship to graduate, I would be up at like five and I would, you know, go work out at five, go to my internship. 
I would wake up, cook myself breakfast because I had to put on weights. And then I'm after leave my internship, go to Subway, go to class, work out again, go back to class. You know, it was like a crazy, but I'm working my butt off throughout that whole process because I knew I had to, you know, put up a, a good performance at Pro Day. So I got the Pro Day, or before I got the Pro Day that morning, I woke up and went to Michael's, also something I thought up. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm trying to measure in as, as tall as possible because how tall I am, I'm going to get counted out before we even get to the to the drill portion. So I went and bought clay from Michael's uh, craft store and molded the clay to the bottom of my heel and uh, taped my ankles over top of the clay like as if I, my ankle was taped so you couldn't see it. So technically I'm sitting on my tippy toes, but it looks like I'm just standing <laughs> flat. So I measured in about two inches taller than what I would have normally. You know, it's like kind of a movie, man. Inch and a half to two inches, and, and then I put uh, two and a half pound weights in each pocket to get myself an extra five pounds. So I measured at 5'8", 182 pounds on pro day. I don't want to harp on this, but like when you went home at the end of the day, like a, you didn't like tell a buddy, mm-hmm. I, I gotta just tell you what I did today. Actually, I did have I did have a buddy. Well, and the only reason I told him because he was he was like at the at at the house with me. Yeah, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Don't say anything. <laughs> like, you know, this is. He thought I was crazy. Yeah, you know, everyone thought most of the stuff I did, people thought I was crazy. And now looking back, they're like, oh, we should have did that. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. You ended up in the scouting department for the yeah. Detroit Lions. Well, yeah. you had you had a tryout here. I had a tryout right? here at the Browns. Yeah. yeah. So I tried out for the Browns. 2008. I, 2008. And I did really well, man, like extremely well. And the GM talked to me afterwards. All the coaches talked to me, and they were kind of giving me the red carpet afterwards saying they were going to sign me, and they were excited, and yada, yada, yada. Well, they, they must have reached back to a Toledo coach and was like, hey, why haven't we heard about this guy? He came here, and he killed it, and this, that, and a third. So I don't think he said anything bad about me, but I don't, I don't think it was uh, from, from what I was told from you know, one of the personnel guys and a coach that he didn't exactly stand on the table to say, you know, this, yeah, this is a guy that you need. You know, mm-hmm. so they didn't end up signing me, man. So from there, you know, I was kind of tried out for a, a CFL teams. I tried out for arena teams. Actually, Cleveland Gladiators here, um, and I didn't get I didn't get signed by either of them. So, you know, at that point, I I didn't you know for I didn't want to stay stagnant. So I just you know started preparing for life after football. So I called a coach who you know knew the personnel guy in Detroit Lions, and I got an internship as a you know as a, as, a, as a scout. And what's it like being? In a building, you're mm-hmm. in an NFL building. Yeah. Watching practice. That was ex- that was excruciating, man. You know, I mean, and I was in a position where a lot of people would love to be. I mean, those things are hard to get. Right. That's even a dream in itself, and it's something that I I wanted to do. And it wasn't so much like just the fact that I was watching because that that didn't bother me as much as me feeling like I was as good or better than most of the guys that they had out there. That was the part that hurt. In a way, it like sort of gave you confidence. Yeah, it did. It gave me confidence, and it, it kind of, you know, redirected my energy back to playing again. The Lions offered you a job, or offered you a, a full-time internship, and mm-hmm. the idea was that you'd probably get a job afterwards, yeah. which is how these things work. Yeah. And they must have sensed that that was eating at you a little bit, because they said the only condition is yeah, no more football. Yeah. You got to give up the dream. Mm-hmm. Was that a hard choice for you? It was, and then again, it wasn't. You know, I was just like, you know what? I feel like I can always come back to scouting. You know, I could always come back and do this. I'm not going to be 21 years old for, forever. Right. It was like the you risk know? was actually not doing it. The ri- the risk in my mind was not going after what I what I thought I could do. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't have been able to live with that mm-hmm. for the rest. I would I'm I'm a no regrets kind of guy because I'm always going to do what I feel is the best thing to do in, in the moment. Mm-hmm. I was given hard hard grades, man, but. 
it was the truth you know what I mean I was, I was telling him like you know you can imagine what it'd be like to have a scout who's better than your wide receivers <laughs> so what comes next you know so I left there and you know I went back to, to school to finish my degree and I was actually GA in as a, a receiver coach so I coached a help coach receivers at the University of Toledo that season you know I was actually staying with a couple of the players um they let me stay on their couch because I didn't I didn't have a place and I wasn't on scholarship anymore so I had to I slept I slept on the couch of one of the players and they let me use the laundry room as my closet so I'm there every day and you know like when they got company I got to get up and you know go drive around and I was working at a Inverness Country Club on as part-time as a caddy yeah you know to try to to pay the electric bill that they asked me to pay to to stay and it was worth it but you know like so I'm I'm just working out, working, coaching, you know, every day. And then uh, we were watching Pardon the Interruption on ESPN, and they were talking about a reality show where they would bring guys off the street um, and give them the opportunity to try out for the Cowboys. So that's that, know, the Michael Irvin show. The Michael Irvin show called Fourth and Long. And so my, you know, one of them was like, "Hey man, you should try out for that." I'm like, "Ah oh, no," you know. So I go upstairs and I start looking into it, and I'm like, "I'm just gonna call them." So I call the production company, and they're like. You know, yeah, we got most of the cast. I mean, it's a long shot. They have a couple of open calls, like in like California, Texas, and I obviously I didn't have the means to get to there. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, you can sit in an audition tape. So I like went and recorded myself telling my story to that point. Tracked down the Browns tape when I worked out, which was pretty good film and a highlight tape, and I sent off thirty copies <laughs> to them. <laughs> Why'd you send thirty copies? Because I wanted to make sure that they got. I I didn't know. I figured a million people were going to try to come play for the Cowboys, <laughs> right? So they might just start be picking and choosing which ones to watch. So I'm like, I'm going to overnight 10. I'm going to two-day mail 10. <laughs> and then I'm going to send 10 regular. That I, I love it. That hopefully, you know, I just increase my chances, you know, stuff in the ballot box, you know? <laughs> the story you're telling, it feels like a story. I mean, it feels like a story out of Hollywood, but it also feels mm-hmm. like a Hollywood story. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, it feels no, like people are it, trying to get their break in Hollywood. Yeah. That's the place where the odds are so crazy. I feel like mm-hmm. in, in sports, so many of the people in this building, so many of your teammates have known since they were 13 yeah. that they were special and they had a good chance. Right. Right? Yeah. In acting, in, in, in Hollywood, it's like any any crazy break can come and all you have to do is just hustle all the time and, and, and put yourself in the best situation to make yeah. it happen. This sounds closer to that. Than like the yeah. normal way that people end up in the NFL to me. Yeah, I mean this isn't. This I mean isn't, you're like literally sending audition tapes. Yeah, this is this is what I had to do, you know. And I remember my my girlfriend, who's now my wife, you know, she was like real hesitant about it because on the on the show I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to contact anybody. I wasn't allowed to call. I wasn't allowed to. We had no TV, no internet. So it was like I almost felt like jail. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. What if? I'm like, look, I'm just going here. I said if I could make a couple of plays and just add it to the back of the highlight tape where I could send to you know, more teams, then it's worth it. Yeah. You know, so I, I honestly didn't go down thinking I was going to win it or I'd have an opportunity to win it or a chance. I thought, like I said, they'd have incredible football players. Because at this point, you don't you don't know how good you are. I mean, I feel like I was good and I feel like I was at that level. But when you hear no, 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 all you have is your own opinion and what everybody else is, which is the no's are outweighing <laughs> the yeses right. by – by a landslide. And so, you're starting just to, I mean, this is all planned out in your head, too. It's like you don't have any context. Yeah. You know, this is this is all I know. So I was willing to do whatever it took. So I went down to the show, and actually, I did incredible on the show. I did great on the show. Um, I felt I should have won it. Most people who watched it felt like I should have won it. I'm sure every guy on the show felt like they should have won it. But I, I was even told by the guy that did the show that I should have won it. But 
still I'm five foot six, you know, and it's hard to justify bringing a five foot six wide receiver. Even a reality show. From a reality show <laughs> to the Dallas America's team. So I didn't, I didn't win. But that got you noticed. It got me noticed in Canada. And I got a contract in Canada, went up there, played with them, and we won the championship the first year. Yeah. And it was uh, at the end of the first season, uh, George Kokinas was then the GM of the, of the Browns. They called me uh, during the season and like, wanted to bring me to camp that year. You know, and I guess and a couple of personnel guys had watched the show, and they, they must have told him, like, hey, there was a kid last year that tried out, and he got a, he got a raw deal. Yeah. You know, so he reached out to me and told me that. He said, some guy said that we should have signed you last year. Are you available? I'm like, I'm under contract. So he calls the GM to try to get me out of the, the contract, and I guess the GM says, no, a contract is a contract, and I understand it. But I had a clause that after the first year, I'd be able to go work out for NFL teams. So I'm like, okay, at the end of the season, they're like, we're just going to bring you in, we're going to work you out. And as long as everything goes well, we're going to sign you. So I knew, I'm like, I'm going to sign with the Browns after my first year in Canada. I was, like, excited. So the semifinal game right before the championship, like four minutes left in the fourth quarter, I get tackled and break my ankle. You know, everything comes crashing down. And that was probably the low point of the whole, yeah. the whole journey, you know, because I felt I had been through so much and been so close so many times, man, and I felt like that was the end. I felt like I didn't have the energy left to keep, you know. So how would you get over that? You know, time, they say time heals all women, man. I, you know, I was just praying and, you know, my mom w- was just kept encouraging me and the people around me just, you know, my, my wife, my mom, you know, my brothers, they were, and my sisters too, they, they were really, you know, influential in me just staying the road, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, saying a, a, a setback is a setup for a comeback, you know, so I just felt like, okay, well, my comeback's going to be crazy because I've had so many setbacks. <laughs> You know, but yeah, so I, I rehabbed, got better, yeah. came back the next season and, and played well again and won the championship again. So after that, I made my own uh, highlight tape. I put it on YouTube, sent it to my agent, and he started shopping me around, man, and was able to get me a couple workouts. And I told him, I said, if you get me a couple of workouts, which I had never gotten to this point, I'm like, I'm going to get signed. Yeah. I promise you I'm going to perform. And it's Well, and that's, that's the other thing that seems so consistent in your story is when you did mm-hmm. get these opportunities, yeah. even even here, yeah. even in Cleveland at that at that rookie tryout. Yeah. You did your best when you got the when you got the opportunity. You right. killed it. Yeah, and that's I mean that's if you're a professional athlete, that's kind of the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Think about all the people that have all the tools to be great at something, and you know all the underachievers. But when the lights come on, they perform. I mean that's that's what a professional athlete is being mm-hmm. able to, you know, mentally go out there and know to put your your best foot forward. And that's like I said, I felt like that's something that I was always good at. You were a, a St. Louis Ram mm-hmm. for a day. Yeah, so I signed with St. Louis after a couple of workouts. The lockout happened, and I'm like, geez, here we go again, right after I signed. So it ended, and I, I didn't get opportunity to go to off season and kind of, you know, learn the coaches and them, them see me. Right. So I got there, and every, everybody was pressed for everything. Everybody was stressed out. I got there, I worked out for a day, and they cut me on the first day of camp. <laughs> and again, you must be like, I was yeah, so close. Man, Long drive home. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I fought this long to get here, and it all ended in 24 hours. That was that was a terrible feeling, man. But then you got picked up by the Bengals. Got picked up by the Bengals, performed well in, in, in the preseason. Yeah. They put me on the practice squad, which I was ecstatic about. Right. You know, because I was finally You're Making here. real money now. I'm making money. The second week of the season, a slot receiver got hurt, and they activated me, threw me a couple passes. I made some plays, and, you know, That's the it. rest is history. That's it. You know? Tell me about what it means to come back to Cleveland. It means everything, man. There, I mean, like I said, my, my dad is the only person. Throughout the whole process, he was like, watch, the Browns are going to come get you. This is mm-hmm. when I'm in on, on the reality show. 
get to Canada, but the Browns are going to come get you, you know, because I had told him how, how well I did the first, and I'm like, Dad, there's not even, there's been three GMs that came through there, four head coaches, right. they're not, like, what are the, and lo and behold, you know, after a while, I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to end up back with the Browns. I don't even know how, I didn't know how it was going to happen, I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, and then last year in free agency, you know, the Browns came calling, and like I said, I just felt like it was the, the perfect ending to the storm. Meant to be. Meant to be, man. Meant to be. And then, last year, Lead the team in receptions. Mm-hmm. Leading, lead, lead the team in receptions, yards. You know, for a town that, you know, the underdog, an underdog town, which such a mirror of my personality mm-hmm. and, and my story, man. I, you know, like I said, I never would have thought in a million years that I'd get to that point. But this is the the big comeback that I was waiting for. You spent all this time mm-hmm. with these terrible odds, mm-hmm. determined, fighting, taking every chance you can take pushing in every way you can to make mm-hmm. it here how do you not get complacent once you hit the lottery how are you crying before every game mm-hmm. instead of uh sitting back and saying i made it when i'm in that stadium and i see all those people cheering or i'm signing autographs after a practice when you go through a time so long where you want something so bad you know that man that some hard times some tough times those are hard to forget you know, and I, and I complain about things like everybody else, but I prayed night in and night out for this. Like, this is something that I prayed every day for, that I used to watch TV, be on the Internet hours at a time. This is what I wanted, you know. So I thank God for where I'm at because I've asked him for this multiple times, and I just stayed the course, and here I am. Thanks for listening to Brown's Cast. I'm Max Linsky. That was Andrew Hawkins. If you want to see any of Andrew's incredible dad selfies, he's on Instagram at Hawk. And uh, his son Austin really is the cutest kid I've ever seen in my life. Our show is produced by me and Aaron Lammer. The theme music is from Francis and the Lights. You can listen to new episodes at our website, brownscast.com, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you're on iTunes and you're feeling generous, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.